Welcome everyone to a, another episode of The Propagandist. I guess that's what the name of this podcast is, but it is uh, mostly tied to my YouTube channel, Chaos and Comics. You can find my comic-related content online at Chaos and Comics on both Instagram and Twitter, and then especially on uh, YouTube where I mostly do reviews and hang out and do streams with other people and and just have fun within the comic community. Um, a lot of good people out there. Uh, pretty even mix of collectors and readers. I, I definitely put myself on the reader side. Uh, but uh, uh, yeah, those are the three places. And then for now at least, this podcast that I call The Propagandist or The Propaganda Show is really for my, my non-sports type podcast. So... Whenever I think about doing a, a podcast based on a TV show, like we were supposed to do The Boys, I know we, we did all the Game of Thrones, I, I normally just throw it here. And that includes what I'm going to talk about today, which I'm sure you clicked on because you saw the title, which are the Marvel Comics uh, solicitations for no- November 2020. So these are the comics that are, at this point, planned to be released uh, in November from Marvel Comics. I've done a couple of these before. I like splitting them up so I can get into more detail and then people can choose whether they want to see uh, DC or, or or Marvel or the indie stuff. I have to look how to split up the indie stuff a little bit better. Uh, but um, yeah, I could just talk. That's basically what this is. I'm going to go through these previews and oftentimes I will just start talking about something else, which is, which is fine with me. There's a lot of these preview shows and if you want one where... They're actually, they're sh- you know, if you want one where they're showing the pictures, obviously a podcast is not the one way to go. But uh, there are plenty on online where they they show pictures, and then there are a, a bunch of podcasts too where it's a discussion. But you know, they touch on a lot of them, and I'd like to think, even though I'll probably pass up or not talk too much about not talk too much about a few of them, that um, that I, I at least say something about um, at least ninety percent of these. Anyway, let's get on with this. So it is the November solicitations. I think the big thing is is that um, is that their Marvel's gearing up for their King in Black series, which is the the big Venom crossover that's going to involve Noel that people have been waiting for basically since Venom Four, and feel that they've been waiting too long. Um, so that will really get started. Uh, in in December, but uh, we get a bunch of like true believers that are based in, on Noel. Uh, we get a, a symbiote Spider-Man, so uh, a story from the past when Peter Parker had the symbiote, and a couple other things. Uh, on top of that, uh, on top of that, there's uh, more Donny Cates stuff with Thor and the Ten of Swords, I always want to call it X of Swords just like you, but the Ten of Swords series starts winding down. And the solicits are great. I love being able to read a solicit that doesn't give me any spoilers. You're either in or you're out by that time for Ten of Swords. So there was no reason to to give the kind of spoilers that you get when you look at a comic preview from two months ahead. And, uh, and, and Hickman did great. I know he's always had an issue with spoilers in solicits. So he did well and man, there's some beautiful covers. So I'm just going to get in. The very first, um, I jump between, just to let you know, I jump between the previews book and, um, and 
Newsarama, Newsarama Games Radar now, their um, their previews little post, and then also my Gmart account, which shows it. So I just hopper all around. So you'll you might see me do things in different order, or depending what you're following along. I think the easiest where anyone, if they wanted to follow along while they listen to this on their phone, uh, I will put the link in the description. But it is if you just Googled. Uh, Marvel Comics November 2020 solicitations. You're going to get your, the first thing that'll come up is the Games Radar post um, that I'm mainly going down. So first up here is Wolverine Black, White, and Blood number one of four. Now this is this is a not not in well it is in continuity but it doesn't have anything to do with the the Krakoa stuff. It doesn't have anything to do with the current run of Wolverine. It looks like it's really just a way to tell some Wolverine stories from his past and uh, and make a bunch of crazy covers too. I think one of the things that, uh, well, probably the, the aesthetic thing that's going to most stick out uh, here is that it's going to be black and white uh, with only red coloring where it was needed for blood and probably for certain clothes and whatnot. That's been happening with uh, Harley Quinn, black, white, and red, and I think Gotham Knights. I don't think was doing that, but uh, those have been digital first by DC, and they were doing that. And then, of course, you've seen a lot of that coloring style. It just depends uh, where you are and, and what you're looking at. So it's just basically it looks like an excuse to give Jerry Duggan and Declan Shalvey and Matthew Rosenberg uh, an excuse to write some stories. There's going to be four parts to it. I'm not sure if I'm going to pick this up, but um, there's a good chance that one of the variant covers are going to catch me. The first cover looks pretty awesome too. Wolverine sort of in a pool of blood with it dripping off of him. Um, but Ron Garney and Tony Daniel and, and George Perez, another Adam Kubert cover. So there's a there's hope you know, for, for them to get a sale for me. But I didn't pre-order it or anything like that. So it would have to be a impulse buy, which I'm great at. I'm great at impulse buys. Uh, after that, X-Men number 14. So we would be at... Um, X of or Ten of Swords, uh, chapter twelve. So I think once we get through all the books here, we're going to be at chapter twenty or something like that. So I won't tell you the chapter every time. But um, man, this is one of the best covers I've seen on the X Men books. There's another one of the best covers I've seen on the X Men books since Sigmund took over. Uh, but Apocalypse with a giant. Everyone has giant swords. I still have no. They've been great, sort of keeping it for me and and the fans. What's going on? But uh, Apocalypse with a Giant Sword, a bunch of skulls behind him. It's just a beautiful uh, Leno Francis U cover, uh, of course, uh, written by Jonathan Hickman. And uh, uh, Mahmoud As- Asrar is doing the art, along with Leno Francis U. Um, and then there's another variant cover, which uh, which I don't see here. So it's probably a... Uh, it's probably a ratio variant, which means I won't own it no matter how good it is. And uh, I don't know Alexander Lozano that well. <coughs> After that is Marauders. We get a little bit of, I mean, to me it looks like Storm is dancing with Anubis, which I'll take. Uh, Jerry Duggan and Benjamin Percy on this. Because they're both on this, I now forget who was the regular writer. Uh, I think it was Jerry Duggan, because Benjamin Percy's been on a lot of stuff too. And... Um, uh, Caselli on art and a toast, a dance at dinner served part one. So not only is it X of sword or 10 of swords, part 12, it is also 
a dinner served part one. So I, uh, I'm excited to see Storm on this cover. Um, I would love for Marauders to be, it's very Kitty Pride focused, but then of course she was, you know, dead. I put that in quotation marks. Um, but she was out of the picture for a while. But the, the Storm storyline has only been touched on. And, um, ironically in books that don't have her name on them, uh, like Giant Size X-Men, Jean Grey, and Emma Frost, uh, but, uh, and White Queen or whatever it was called at the time. But I really want to know what's going on in her storyline. She has um, some kind of machine disease, and hopefully we start exploring Storm's uh, situation in here in the uh, Krakoa world and uh, her disease a little more in Marauders, or anywhere for that matter. I'll, I'll take it anywhere. Marauders 15 is also being uh, solicited. I don't love this. It's amazing. As much as I love the cover with Storm and this Anubis-looking character, um, doesn't look great. This uh, cover for number 15 doesn't grab me as much, uh, and that's a Russell Dodderman cover. So uh, it's still Caselli doing the art inside. So um, number 15, so it looks like we're probably going to get Marauders beginning of the month and then another one at the end of the month because so, it's not on a um, two-week schedule. At least, uh, at least it wasn't. It hasn't been, so it would be strange if they decided to do that. Uh, Excalibur 14, that would be chapter 15. Colossus is in this. Uh, the uh, cover is by Mahmoud Asrar. I was going to tell you, the cover doesn't particularly grab me. Um, and then uh, uh, Jesus Sai, I'm just saying Saez, Saez, but who knows. Uh, Phil Noto is doing the art now inside, so um, Teeny Howard's still writing it. I've liked Excalibur. Other people have um, not loved it. I could probably say that I like it because of Apocalypse, and Apocalypse looks like he has a huge part in this Ten of Swords story. Um, I guess you needed to have a big Apocalypse story. It's sort of like having, you know, it's sort of like doing Batman and doing the Joker. You know, only Tom King was brave enough not to do that, and and um, his sales are actually still really good. But uh, you know, he's seeing what's happening with uh, James Tynan. I can't say if Apocalypse wasn't in it, though. I wouldn't like it as much. But, hey, you know, she would write something else. Teeny Howard would. Uh, Wolverine. more so Everything has swords, which is awesome. Let's just say that's awesome, except for these Marauders covers. Uh, and this Wolverine cover uh, by Adam Kubert is all over the place. It almost has a, um, a family crest feel to it. With an X and Wolverine with a, a giant sword here. Benjamin Percy and Jerry Duggan are, are are writing this two together, so they're teaming up uh, a lot. And Joshua Casera has been doing uh, some great art in the in the. I don't know, think he's doing only Wolverine, but he's been doing some great art uh, across the board. As far as I've been concerned, um, is he only doing Wolverine here? I thought he was doing X Force. Let's see who's doing X Force. X-Force. Oh, yeah, that's Cacera, too. So X-Force has been great. Joshua Cacera has done incredible art there. And a Dustin Weaver cover with Wolverine's claws um, sort of hanging on top of the X-Force logo and uh, him looking at us in his brown costume. Chivalry gives way to fury. A knight must kneel. See, you never know what's going on there. That's the best solicit you can ever give me. Uh, Hellions won't be canceled by then. I always, I'm always, i afraid of these uh, smaller 
uh, X-Men books or Hickman verse or Krakoa verse, whatever you want to call it, eventually get canceled, but I'm sure that they'll at least make it through Ten of Swords. Uh, Chaos Deceit, A Hero Returns. Well, I don't know who's the hero in Hellions. I guess Havoc a little bit. Uh, Phil Noto is doing Cable too, so look at that. Double Duty. I guess they probably have a bunch of the... I was going to say Double Duty, but they they probably have a bunch of work uh, built up through the pandemic, so uh, Noto probably finished these at different times, but I'm excited to see him on both Cable and uh, Excalibur, so... And Excalibur's art has only been so-so. I can't remember who was doing it. So, And then X-Men 15 comes out. Uh, Great Division, Bitter Victories, and Bitterer Hearts. And it's the same group covered by Lionel Francis Yu. Uh, I can't tell who that is on the cover. That not as good doesn't grab my eye like that Apocalypse cover for X-Men 14. Um, who the heck is that? That's not a... Well, that's just a... That's a character that's probably a spoiler if I knew who he was. Oh, they're getting deep because 15's coming out too. Um, not not as cool. So this is a Ma- Mahmoud Azrar cover. Not as cool as the, Fran- the Leno Francis U cover, but um, still cool on Excalibur. Listen, I love this X-Men stuff, but I'm getting sick of telling, of talking about it here in this uh, in this little podcast. And last but not least, almost last but not least, is. Ten of Swords, Destruction Number One. This is Chapter Twenty Two. So in every X Men book, there's been a giant um, checklist for what's happening with Ten of Swords, and uh, and it's big, man. Um, I remember in the '90s, you'd get these very terrible, loosely connected um, events, like within a, a set of books. So the ones I'm mostly thinking about is Executioner's Song. That had, you know, was a strife cable story, something like 14 parts, um, and then also, of course, Maximum Carnage, which is you know, known today as like something pretty popular, right? Uh, Carnage is a big crossover with a bunch of the Spider-Man books, but unreadable. I don't know if everyone realizes that that is unreadable. That uh, I mean, it's not unreadable, but it's just so loosely connected and, and sort of not and just right out nonsensical. Um, but here comes Ten of Swords, where you really haven't had that, where a room has a, or an office, the X office in this case, um, has a crossover going through the regular titles, um, like the classic 90s style. Or I haven't seen it in a while, or I don't remember it happening um, back in the day. Normally, when there's a big event, they just, you know, give the whole... Up. So Hickman's doing it different, is what I respect, even though it's a throwback. Because, you know, King in Black is going to be a series called King in Black, as was Absolute Carnage, as was uh, Empire, as was um, the Thor uh, series that came out last year. And those all had their um, their central book. And what's happening, and I think what's happening in Empire, I haven't read any of that, but what's happening is that uh, there's so many tie-ins that that central book is just referencing what's happening in some of the tie-ins. So it's getting really dumb. Um, if you need to do it, then I guess this is the best way, the way Hickman's doing it, but 22 chapters is a lot, man. Um, I hope it's loosely connected and done well, because I know a lot of people that are only buying X-Men, only buying Marauders, um, only buying, uh, two or three, you know, and, uh, I hope it doesn't ruin their, uh, their enjoyment of the story 
when they're supposed to be, you know, when they're collecting X-Men, it should be an X-Men run, right? Um, and I expect that even though it won't, you know, this won't be a 22-part narrative that you read straight through or that you need to read straight through, I suspect that it will be fine, that you'll be able to read, you, if you're just reading X-Force, you'll be able to read that run straight through. Um, and that's because uh, Hickman decided to play the game and you know, involve himself in, in events because that's just the way, that's just the way it works. So sort of accept it, I think is what Zdarsky told him. And they really worked in Empire. You know, there was an X-Men Empire. It, it was very much of a side story. A little disappointed that that's probably the Scarlet Witch that we'll get uh, through this because they, they've done some, you know, they've, there's some Scarlet Witch hate on Krakoa, on Krakoa. And I'm, I'm, I'm not sure, but some of the Scarlet Witch stuff was addressed in, in X-Men Empire, which was a, a miniseries. Um, but then the regular X-Men book also crossed over with Empire. And those issues were really good, actually. I really enjoyed those issues. I don't think there's anything wrong with them. And I felt that they, um, you know, they didn't stray off from what Hickman was doing <coughs> in the... Um, uh, in his wider, you know, X-Men 1 through 10 or whatever it came out, 1 through 12 work. Um, so I expect that people will be able to do it. They're just going to have to feel okay with getting uh, X-Men number... F is it? X-Men number 14, that's chapter 12, and then when they get number 15 a few weeks later, they're just going to have to accept that that one's chapter 20. And, and hopefully nothing's too wrong with it. But we'll find out, and people will complain. Even I will complain, in fact. Um, and there's a one-shot, Ten of Swords, Destruction. This is probably the end. The Wheel of Fortune Turns, The Unfortunate Fall, A Sword Against the Darkness. Best solicits you can do. Just give me a little taster uh, with some words. So, uh, except for when I talk about Juggernaut a little bit, that's it there. Uh, next up is um, The Eternals Are Returning, and feels a little early to me. Maybe they, they really trust Kieran Gillen, who's the writer on this, uh, because the, the film's coming out, and normally, uh, normally a number one will come out a little bit closer to when the film's coming out. Of course, in this uh, pandemic era, we don't have uh, really a good feel of, of when any of these movies come out. As of this uh, recording, uh, Black Widow still isn't out, and, and there's no solid date. Uh, that I know about. I should give that a, uh, a look-see. It's been a couple days, but I would have seen it on YouTube videos and news and stuff. I'm pretty connected to that, unfortunately. Uh, so The Eternals number one comes out. The big news is that it's Kieran Gillen writing it. He's returning to the Marvel 616 universe. He is doing um, a Warhammer book two, which we'll talk about in a minute. But uh, he went off and did mostly indie work for the last handful of years. Uh, he dipped his toe in Star Wars. Didn't dip his toe. He did a whole run of Darth Vader and and, and then the regular Star Wars book. But been away from um, Earth uh, uh, 616, which if you're listening to this, you know, but Earth 616 is like the main Marvel continuity. Uh, everything else is a different continuity. So the crazy thing about Eternals, for some reason, it's not like Eternals has this huge following, but for some crazy reason... There are upwards of 37 covers, this thing says, but whenever there's that many covers, I find that they seem to breed. So if there's 37 covers we know about, there's probably more like 50 to 60. 
guaranteed. I found one. It says Icarus on the bottom. I have no idea who drew it or if it's going to be a um, if it's going to be a ratio variant. It sort of has the Vitruvian Man sort of look to it, so that looked cool to me. Um, Eternals is something that I I think even uh, even experienced comic book readers don't know a lot about. I have to admit that I don't know a ton about the Eternals uh, either. They're you know they're going to get a giant movie. Uh, they have that sort of they have that Inhumans feel, even mutant feel to some extent, where they're a race of beings from. Uh, an older time and they're protecting Earth for something or, you know, we've there's actually a lot of those beings in uh, in the Marvel Universe and I guess we have to, like, shrug off the Inhumans now. They are uh, they are the dark horses of the MCU currently, but we get the we get the Eternals and we get Kieran Gillen writing it um, What's the point of Eternal Battle? For millions of years, 100 Eternals have roamed the Earth Secret protectors of humanity. Uh, without them, we'd be smears between the teeth of the demon-like deviants. So we got a we got a whole thing going there. I think they're probably hoping that this run goes and it's con- you know it's continuing um, through the movie's premiere. Most likely, what I'm trying to think of the reasoning that you could do this right. So if it is marketing, or you I I feel like Disney and Warner Brothers can think of the the comics division the publish comics publishing division as a, a marketing tool you know even though it probably brings some profit in uh, some small amount of profit but for marketing then you would push this even if it's not selling great so it's going to get it gets 12 issues easy let's say right so i i think that the eternals is supposed to come out um, sometime in november of next year i don't know if that's still on the slate Uh, We can check that later, but let's say it does, then you have the Eternals at least on shelves for a full year, Um, so that covers people like me because they're they're reviving a a property that wasn't that popular. So we know the Eternals, they get involved in in the 616 universe a little bit more, maybe some crossovers, so that makes sense. So we know them when the movie comes out and the... And the so even if you're not buying it and you're a comic fan, you still see what's going on. The movie comes out, or the trailers come out, and we get excited that by that time um, the first Eternals book is in trade. Uh, and I think that the general public—I'm just making this stuff up, right? Like, how? What's the plan here? Then the general public has. Uh, well, then there's a trade on the shelf. Uh, you can read it in trade if you want. By the time we get to next November, you got 12 issues out. Um, you got two trades and a hardcover. The general public, probably the general public that's not comic book collectors, that isn't like Wednesday Warriors, that doesn't, you know, that don't do podcasts about solicits. Let's say those people are more likely to buy trades. So now you have a brand new trade out that you could sell for full price that isn't available uh, a ton on the secondary market, even a hardcover. Um, I'm just guessing, but that makes sense to me, right? Maybe some of these covers get more collectible, and um, even though Marvel, except for when the ratio variants, uh, doesn't make any money on the secondary market, it it is something that keeps it it is something that keeps the name in the forefront of fans' uh, mouth. So I just made all that up. 
That could probably not be the marketing plan or there could be something completely different. But that works for me. I just fit it in there. So um, I'll be buying this not because of the Eternals, not because of the film, uh, and not because any other reason uh, except that uh, Kieran Gillen is writing it. And going to another Kieran Gillen book, uh, if you follow Kieran Gillen, you know he is a Warhammer 40K fan, um, a big just Warhammer in general, and we'll be at issue number two of Marnaeus Calgar, uh, you know him starting the Warhammer universe, that license in you know for Marvel, not in the 616. Um, I think this looks really cool. Warhammer has always been that thing that I've been interested in, um, but could just never really afford. Uh, when this got Announced, I started looking up figures just to paint, just to see how cool it is. Uh, maybe get enough to uh, to make like some like little diorama here and, and play with my wife. But I think even if you just get like, even if you just get a bunch of cheap stuff, it's still expensive. And a lot of what I would like to do is paint. Also, is just that sort of that piece of the hobby. So I started looking for like Chaos Knights because Chaos and Comics, all that BS. So. Uh, I still might look into that. I'm sure I'll get more excited by it uh, once I start uh, reading the book. Again, this is uh, Jason Burroughs, the artist, by the way, and that, that's a good fit uh, for this. But uh, this is something I, I probably wouldn't buy if Kieran Gillen wasn't writing it. But it, it really fits for him. He is the gamer, former gaming journalist, video games and board games and RPGs, I believe. At least RPGs, because he's doing the die RPG and, and talks about Warhammer all the time. So uh, this is right up his alley and he is uh he's known he's done well with both uh, original ideas and uh, license work uh, work for hire kind of stuff so right in his uh, wheelhouse uh marvel's indigenous voices number one so i'm excited for this because a, a friend of mine is excited for this an online friend you can find him uh, on youtube um and twitter and instagram at carolina chris 26 he is um uh, I wanted to remember the name of this tribe, and now it slips my mind. But he said it a couple times, and, and um, I try. I, I, I don't have a lot of experience around uh, indigenous peoples, even though I lived in Central California uh, around the Yoka tribe. You know, some of them were my friends, but didn't mix like I did say with like um, the Latin culture, which was a lot more people around me, and um, African American African American culture, which in Central California there wasn't that much, but in LA def definitely. Um, and of course in the general culture, but, uh, so I don't know that much about it. I wanted to make sure I wanted to try to like refer to people, um, by their tribes, but, um, indigenous first nations, I think those are respectable enough until someone tells me not to do that. But, um, he's, he was super excited about this. When he saw this, he was over the moon and, um, there's a bunch of covers by, uh, Jeffrey Verege, I probably... Um, saying his last name wrong, but we're going to go with Berege. And uh, they are all inspired by um, indigenous art, and they are covers of uh, a bunch of Marvel books that day. And they're like very minimalist, simple, uh, strong coloring, and it is something that I, uh, I'm going to pick up. Um, a little bit to support Chris, because he wants everyone to, you know, he wants this to be successful. Obviously, you know, our corner of YouTube can only do so much, but also because they're beautiful, just really unique covers, just beautiful, unique covers that that deserve to be seen, deserve to be bought and owned. So um, Indigenous Voices number one has one, 
and then a, a bunch of other books have them too. And if I if I see them, I'll I'll point them out and talk about them. And then there's um, another Marvel's Voices that sort of slipped under the radar. I didn't see it on the shelves, uh, and I wanted to get it. That uh, I believe focus it focuses on more of the um, uh, on African American characters and writers and stuff. So this is a new printing, um, Bita Ayala, maybe not. I'm not sure. So I remember like C.3 comics uh, on YouTube, uh, who's African American, was pretty excited by it. And I, when he when he was reading, I was like, I want to read that. That looks great to me. But I just didn't see it on the shelf, and I didn't see it in solicits. So it looks like there's a new printing uh, and a very very cool uh, sort of my, uh, not sort of my, Miles Morales uh, face uh, with a bunch of different characters in the uh, in the webbing. So. Um, next up is Iron Man 3. I haven't been reading Iron Man 3. I haven't been thinking about it or worrying about it or doing anything. I know it started over. Uh, Chris Cantwell is now on it. Uh, reading the solicit, it looks pretty standard, um, but the Alex Ross cover looks great. And uh, Iron Man has one of those Native American covers that looks even uh, even better. Alex Ross can take a rest. Um, the Alex Ross cover really does look great, though, because that uh, Native American cover looks incredible. Uh, let's uh, move on. Amazing Spider-Man now has will have passed its issue number 50, even though it's legacy number 1 million or something like that. Who knows what it's at now? Uh, over 800, right? <coughs> um, there's a bunch of... I just... I'm very disinterested with Spider-Man, although I'm getting this issue because of the indigenous cover. But... Uh, it's just nothing's grabbed me, nothing's interested me. No one sounded really excited about it, and and that's just not making me excited about it. And what I've read that's introduced a little bit of kindred here and there hasn't hasn't uh, grabbed me. There's a podcast called Comic Book Club. Their YouTube or their um, Twitter is at Comic Book Live. Uh, they've been around for years and years and years. Um, one of them really likes the story, but I, I'm not. It, even even his excitement sometimes that sells me when someone is into it. Even his excitement uh, like still gets a muted response from me. So, um, and then there's something which I don't see any explanation about. Oh, last remains tie-in. So uh, I didn't even know there was a last remains. Apparently, is the event that um, that's going on with Kindred and Spider-Man here. So now there's a Last Remains tie-in. So it's Amazing Spider-Man number 52, Last Remains. And that doesn't even that doesn't have an indigenous cover. It's just going to confuse people. Doctor Strange is on the cover. So um, same thing with number 53. There's a t- So now they're doing a thing where you have two number 53s and two number 52s because one's a tie-in. Uh, man, that's going to really... That's going to really screw up people's concept of what's of what number amazing spider-man is because i guess this now is it should be a new volume right it should be a volume called amazing spider-man uh last rights but it does have the number 52 on it that just annoys me uh that just annoys me spider woman still going strong uh carla pacheco is writing it along with uh pera perez which i never i've never come across um, pretty cool, pretty cool A cover with Captain Marvel and Spider Woman in a in a astronaut suit. So they're going this story. They're going to um, talk to the High Evolutionary. So that's a whole Cree thing going on. I'm not reading it. Um, nothing there really grabs me. 
something that grabs me that I'm probably not going to buy is uh, U.S. Agent number. This is uh, the first one, so geez, maybe I just grab it off the shelf. Who knows what I'll do? U.S. Agent number one of five. What's uh, cool about this is uh, Christopher Priest. I, I don't. I feel like I haven't seen him around Marvel or DC for a while, but that just might be in my head. Uh, so he's back. He's writing U.S. Agent. So as Tanahisi Coates stops writing Captain America, Christopher Priest um, starts writing U.S. Agent. So the these sort of these very like America first characters being written by uh, or America at the forefront like on their uniforms and stuff being written by African American writers is pretty cool. I I couldn't get into the Tanahisi Coates story. I almost wish it had more social justice stuff in it because it, it seemed pretty standard and it seemed to be at least uh, up to the I only got to issue 8. It's got up to 25 or something like that. It um you know, it seemed to just be referencing his that whole Hydra story from a couple years ago. So I wasn't quite as into it. This U.S. agent book looks sounds okay, called American Zealot. Um, John Walker, the former super patriot, has been stripped of his official U.S. agent status and is now operating as an independent government contractor. Uh, I mean, a lot of these stories, they sound standard. You know, it's... It's like you can't be patriotic at the forefront anymore. Um, and not that you necessarily should be. That's sort of a silly idea. But then it's uh, a lot of it's a lot of commentary on the real America, you know. Or um, we'll see how U.S. Agent works out. Or Captain America. I'm really layering Captain America stuff on U.S. Agent, which I shouldn't, you know. But so we'll see if that works out, or or if I read it. So we'll wait on that. Miles Morales, Spider-Man number 20. This is another one I should be reading. I'll probably go hop on this on um, Marvel Unlimited, because uh, I, I really like Solid and Ahmed, what I've read, and I've not read that much. I, I feel like it's he's uh, someone I've read here and there in... In like annuals and stuff, I did support his Kickstarter. I believe it was his, so I'm excited about that. But um, man, you know, Miles Miles is holding his own book, and it's pretty popular. It's up to number twenty. He had one before. Uh, it looks like uh, you have a guest. You have a Captain America guest star in here. So I will. I mean, the cover is actually cool. Lots of stuff going on. So good job on that, Javier Garon. Um, uh, let's see what the variant cover looks. Variant cover by Torin Clark. Let's see if we get to see it. It's another great cover. So white background with Miles shooting the webs towards towards the camera as like he's swinging towards it. So classic Spider-Man styled uh, cover. So I've always wanted to do a little Miles, get into a little more Miles, and I, and I never really have. Didn't read the Ultimate Universe stuff. You know, basically Miles is someone that I know because I'm a comic book fan, or when he guests in. Uh, in other books, but I still consider myself a fan, right? So, um, Captain America number twenty-five. Um, you know, I'm actually buying this because of the uh, indigenous cover, but there are there are three covers. Uh, they look pretty pretty normal to me, pretty standard. Uh, you know, another really good uh, Alex Ross cover. Oh, that's a Scotty Young cover. Variant cover by Scotty Young, and then. Oh no! There's the Phoenix variant by Salvador Larocca that looked like a Larocca cover. So I didn't I didn't see the Scotty Young cover here. It's not showing it. Um, man, when I even I'm not going to read this solicit, but even when I read the solicit, it just sounds 
bland to me. Not interesting. I, I got eight issues in, so. If you like Kai, so I, I'm not buying this, but I like that Marvel decided to do a little mini-series um, of Ultraman, so The Rise of Ultraman. I watched a few of these when I was a kid. Uh, I don't know when they were. I think they might have been on between, like, Power Rangers and VR Troopers or something. It's that, you know, fun but corny kaiju stuff, which, I mean, I think you got to just sort of be a fan or grow up with it to really love it. Um, but I love it that they're doing a comic of it. I love it that some of that Japanese culture, that quirky culture, especially the, the old style that isn't all um, silly manga, that, uh, that it's getting some play here. Uh, I don't know anyone that's reading it. I wish, you know, I wish someone told me it's so good that I needed to read it, that I absolutely have to get on it, but um, I haven't. And by November, it'll be on number three, so we'll we'll see. I'm not. It's not something I'm even looking forward to, even though I like that it exists. Exists. I'm not like looking forward to even on on Marvel Unlimited. Widowmakers, Red Guardian, and Yelena Belova. Um, you know, hopefully this is just pushed back this far. Because they had no choice, uh, COVID, and they just had to make some decisions. Because I don't want to wait until November for the Black Widow movie. I want it to come out sooner, but who knows? Let's let's check. I'm, I already made mention of it um, that I didn't know the release date, but let's let's find out. Oh, okay, so it makes sense. Black Widow's coming out November 6, 2020, and then we're gonna get some. Widowmakers, Red Guardian, and Yelena Belova, number one. So Devin Grayson, Michelle Bandini, and a bunch of people. Oh, I guess I am buying this because Black Widow native variant cover. Why would Black Widow be on here? Oh, it is Black Widow. Never mind. Um, I guess the Black Widow. I guess the Black Widow comic that came out last week will already be done by then. Apparently, who knows? So. Then it also makes sense. It's funny because I talked about Taskmaster number one the last time I did one of these solicit videos. Um, but Taskmaster number one will come out in in uh, in November now. It's supposed to come out in June. It was supposed to be supposed to be already done. Isn't that funny? So they've just been holding these uh, under their belt, under the, in their pockets. So it almost feels like so much work had been done that the that the uh, pandemic hit. Then they did a little bit of work, this obvious stuff that they were going to do, the King of Black stuff and, and the stuff that will, will always sell. Uh, and then they had to put the rest in their pocket. So it makes me think that we're going to get really thinned out, maybe the beginning of 2021. Um, they're just not going to have stuff to put out and we're going to get all these crazy reprints or something like that. Look at that. Black Widow number three is coming out by Kelly Thompson and Elena uh, Casagrande. Um, her name's Elena Big House. That's pretty cool. Uh, I find it interesting that they didn't do the uh, that even though Black Widow's out, they did the uh, indigenous vari uh, variant cover for Widowmakers and not for the Black Widow Black Widow <coughs> excuse me the Black Widow series that's actually happening in November. Uh, Juggernaut will be in number three of five. I think what's most interesting about Juggernaut this is Juggernaut on trial and Ron Garney on art. Uh, Fabian. Uh, I always look up. This is the name I always look up when they release that, how to say people's names in comics yearly. This is the one I always look up and I never could get it, but Fabian Nicieza is the way I'm going to say it. I should have learned how to say that 25 years ago, if you want me to be honest. Um, but Ron Garney on our art, Juggernaut 
look, it's not mixed with the X-Men books. It is not, doesn't have the Ten of Swords thing on top of it. Um, cover's pretty cool. It's a Jeff Shaw cover. But in the last X-Men book, I thought it then, okay, Juggernaut, just moving it over into the, you know, regular Marvel Universe or something like that, despite his relationship to Professor X. But um, on the back of every X-Men book, it shows you, like, the reading order. And for the most part, the reading order doesn't matter in any one week, whether you read Marauders or X-Men first. But it does show one, right? And I was surprised to see Juggernaut in that mix. So, um, good for Juggernaut. It's still an X-Men book, but the only place that it feels like an X-Men book is on that list of things to read. But nowhere else. Next up on the list is a series I really wanted to read. I didn't expect it to ever get this far, uh, but just never got around to it, which is Savage Avengers. Number 14 is coming out in November, and uh, I have to say both covers look really amazing. I love, I've started to really like Magic, even though she was corny in the New Mutants uh, movie. But uh, I've started to really enjoy um, Ileana, or a.k.a. Magic, and she's right on the cover here, prominent, fighting alongside uh, fighting alongside Conan. Um, so this is something that uh, Gary Duggan, or Jerry Duggan, has has really, uh, really just taken to way more heights than I expected. Uh, this is another Conan in the regular world sort of book. I read the la- I read the lame ones, the Serpent Crown and Serpent Key. I can't remember two books about serpents. Not so good, but uh, but having Conan sort of go go around and fight or and team up with a bunch of cool heroes. I used to think it was just always going to be like Venom, Punisher it was going to be those kind of characters, but it appears he's just been on a bunch of team ups. Savage Avengers is essentially. Uh, is essentially Marvel team up with Conan, and uh, and it looks cool to me. I'm sure it's not like a groundbreaking, amazing book or anything, but it's the kind of thing that I'd want to see. And this cover right here has uh, the Black Knight, has magic on it, Conan of course, and Juggernaut, who's been appearing here and there, and now is having his own little mini series that we just talked about. And I think it looks cool. I think it looks cool. I wish I would have read this. Um, Conan leads a team of savage Avengers against an Asgardian dragon in a quest for treasure. Sort of, sort of sounds like Conan, except with a bunch of Marvel characters. I've, I've come to just be okay with it. I mean, I still think the concept is silly. Conan should just stick in his world. But if you must do it and the stories are good, then let's just let's just get on let's just get on the train and and uh, on the roller coaster and go for the ride. So get out your twenty sided dice and. Roll to attack with Conan, Magic, and new Savage Recruits, the Black Knight, and Juggernaut. I could have sworn the Black Knight teamed up with him before. can't remember where I saw the Black Knight uh, recently. So let's take a look. Um, so Marvel number two of six. This is not even something I followed. I, I assume it's like Marvel X and Marvel's uh, Alex Rost is involved. Uh, I, I believe it's just the art, so I skipped that. I'm... I'm not doing art books necessarily, especially when I feel like I could find a bunch in other spots. Werewolf by Night, two of four. This is not something I got into. I know there's some old Werewolf by Nights uh, comics that like collectors take uh, get. 
But just like pure horror, I'm not really sure Marvel can do it the way that indie books can. When was the last time Marvel actually had a, a really good horror book? And I'm not sure if Werewolf, uh, Werewolf by Night is supposed to be that. This is called Night of the Creeps. Uh, but it's not something that grabbed me or that I was interested in. I'm not really familiar with uh, the writers, but a writer named Taboo certainly is someone that's going to stick out if they continue to write books in comics. It's just a really good name for a comic writer if you're not going to have your your real name. So this is by Taboo and um, Benjamin Jackendoff, Scott Eaton on art. So if someone's reading that, let me know. So these Marvel tales... So Hellstrom is is cool. It's interesting. It sounds like the it sounds like a like the son of Satan. I guess that's Hellstrom is getting my getting my Marvel and DC confused. But Hellstrom obviously sounds a lot like Hellblazer. It's not exactly like Hellblazer, right? But it's another one of those evil characters. I have a bunch of old Hellstrom books that I've never read. It sort of falls in line with the Darkhold, Ghost Rider. Johnny Blaze, uh, even a touch of Doctor Strange that uh, I'm interested in, the more magic side of Marvel. What's what's weird is, one, people don't realize that those books are mostly dollar bin books, but somehow Marvel is still doing reprints, which is in this Marvel Tales, and then another collected, I think another collected Hellstrom edition is coming out. So a bunch of writers on this, uh, it's really just, put a cool cover on some old uh, old Hellstrom comics. So Damon Hellstrom, the son of... So does the son of Satan. For some reason, I thought Hellstrom and the son of Satan were different uh, or separated at some point. Burns his way into your brain as we celebrate the legacy of the House of Ideas with Marvel Tales. I got burnt on one of these when I bought the Ghost Rider one. I didn't realize it was a bunch of silly, like, just reprints, you know. And most, the vast majority of those reprints, unless they're the old Ghost Riders or something... Uh, of this stuff that came out in the 90s. Really, you could, if you're patient, you're going to find them for a dollar each. Uh, I will be skipping that for sure. Uh, and I probably, there's a good chance I have these. So, uh, Mar- I don't have the Marvel fan. So Marvel Fanfare 59 might not be. Uh, I mean, maybe I'm speaking too, uh, maybe I'm speaking too fast because now that I scan this, uh, now that I scan the solicit, he's in uh, Ghost Rider number one from 1973. So that's hard to get. And then Son of Satan, number one, also an uh, older book. And his then-wife, Patsy Walker, I didn't know that, star in Marvel Fanfare 59. So, geez, maybe I'm stupid. Maybe I maybe I dropped the $7.99 on this book for a bunch of reprints and an Inya Flea cover. Shang-Chi, 3 of 5. Um, another book, I guess, they're, I guess they're warming us up for Shang-Chi because we're not getting the movie for a while. But I guess he's, I guess they're putting Shang-Chi in the, uh, in the comic fans mine at this point so I, I i'd imagine we're going to see more shang chi around he may even join one of the bigger teams um and this is not a you know i know the writers people try to say that the writers that this stuff's forced on the writers and that and for the most part i don't believe that but at the same time hey they, they need to put shang chi they need to like start featuring shang chi for one to um maybe erase some of the I don't like this word, but the problematic stuff that may have been in his past comic books. And uh, and then also to get him at the forefront or at the face of a lot of comics uh, for his film coming out. So I'm really excited. Uh, I love that there's an Asian character coming up in the films. 
Uh, this is not a book I'm going to read though. I, I'll wait. Sometimes it's, it's just good to wait. Even if you, you know, you think that you're not interested in a book, you find out later, it's still there. You can go find it. So if, if, ever, if people tell me that this Shang-Chi run was pretty good, uh, then I, I can go back and look for it. A good example of that is Killmonger. Uh, I, it looked to me like it was just a, a, uh, a necessary book at the time that Black Panther was big. Uh, make a Killmonger book. But now I've come to realize uh, that um, not only did Brian Hill write it, who I really enjoy, uh, but it was also drawn by um, Juan Ferreira, who I'm probably pronouncing that name wrong too, uh, Argentinian artist that I absolutely love, that I've discovered uh, through uh, the Punisher, uh, like one of the Punisher books from War of the Realms, one of those tie-ins that you know, the book was the book was okay. It was fine, but the art was beautiful. He's doing great art in Spider-Man Noir. Um, so I found Killmonger later. I sort of just wrote it off and found it later. So Shang-Chi may be the same thing. A lot of these might be the same thing. Most of the time, uh, I'm better off saving my money and then seeing either doing it in Marvel Unlimited or, you know, making a plan in the back of my head to eventually read it. Uh, and now we're going to hit up a couple facsimile editions. I do pick these up. Uh, it's a way to like hold the book in my hand, even though these are readily available on Marvel Unlimited. But it's just fun to sort of read the book uh, almost, I would say, 96% the way it should have been read. Because the paper's not the same. But you do get an idea of the ads and the style of writing. Uh, the colors don't always look the same. They They have more of a cereal box flavor to them. But I'll tell you what, even on that old paper... Very rarely do you have the colors the way that they would look when they were printed in 1965 or 75 or even 85. You know, like even even if it's white pages and you have this pristine copy, uh, I don't feel like the colors are the same exact same way that you would have got them if you're reading that book in 2020. You know, so it makes it a little bit easier for me to forgive that uh, that paper and uh, and forgive the what I call like cereal box looking colors that I think come out on the glossy paper. But uh, what's coming out in Avengers 57, so first appearance of uh, the Behold the Vision, and um, Enemies and Allies. Yeah, Vision has been both. And then also the facsimile edition of X-Men number four, which is uh, the first, I think it's the first appearance of, oh yeah, it says right here, Scarlet Witch. So Magneto returns to battle the X-Men, and he's brought the new Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. So this is a, a very iconic cover. I know I've seen collector types show it off. Uh, it is old X-Men, and it, it was sort of silly like when I read X-Men 1. I got that facsimile edition. So this is going to be silly too, but you know it's about respecting it for its time. What kind of comic was it at its time? It's like reading a history book, which is which is the way I read this stuff, and I enjoy it that way. Uh, Avengers 38, still being written by Jason Aaron. This has not gotten the, the love and praise that other Jason Aaron works have, which I think is interesting. Uh, I, uh, I might read it because it's a Mephisto thing, uh, which I like, even though there's an inconsistency with... The Mephisto stuff, I'm definitely buying it because it's it's the, like I've already mentioned a few times before, it's the Native American uh, Heritage Tribute cover, and it's the Black Panther one, so I'm definitely getting that. All covers look pretty cool here. i got to say uh, who is doing this. So 
Um, Ed McGinnis is on cover A, and there's a Phoenix variant cover by Aaron Cooter. So those Phoenix variant covers are, aren't don't seem that special. Uh, I've been on record as not being interested very much in the Phoenix, sort of being tired of the super force, the Holy Spirit, basically the Holy Spirit of the Marvel Universe. So Marvel Avengers Snapshots, I read one by Mark Russell, and that one was great. That one was legitimately good. Uh, not even a Captain America story, really. So I don't know how good these other ones have been. I haven't really... Uh, I've recognized the writers, but you know, Mark Russell's sort of made to put his on-the-nose stuff, uh, his uh, sort of leftist, left-of-center ideas into... I think they just work better in licensed books. So to be honest, that Captain America snapshot is probably my favorite thing he's done behind Flintstones. I haven't read Snagglepuss yet, which I say every time I mention Mark Russell. You'll hear me say this on the indie, uh, on the indie previews uh, podcast. But uh, I've not done this at all, and I don't see... It's an Alex Ross cover, but I don't see... Uh, Alex Ross is churning these out. I'm starting to think that he's uh, more of a factory now. But I don't see one of the... Native American tribute covers here, so we're going to... Uh, it's probably something I skip and skip pretty easily. Easily. So Champions, basically the Young Avengers. I haven't read any of this. Uh, I, nothing's grabbed me about it. I don't even really know anyone that's reading it. Uh, the only thing that, gra- that I see about this is that it's that anime style, and if you're reading like Ms. Marvel and Champions, um, hopefully not Miles Morales like that, because I said I did want to read Miles Morales, but a few of those other books... They way have that younger anime style, and if that's what you pick up, I think you're going to think that Marvel is like that. Um, but I always like to point out like Nick Klein and Juan Ferreira, who I've already pointed out, uh, Ryan Stegman. The person that's drawing Venom right now is not Ryan Stegman. It is um, uh, Juan Gideon, who's very underrated. So there's a... Uh, a tale of two Marvel art styles. Marvel almost has two or three house styles now where they let the good artists that, you know, they all look different from each other sort of do the traditionally bigger books. And then some of this stuff like Runaways and whatnot that's trying to attract younger artists or younger readers uh, really does have that anime style that, that really isn't my favorite either or really isn't my favorite at my age point. But if the story's good and... I get rolling in it, like three, four issues or something like that. I'm sure that I'd feel that way about Squirrel Girl, for example, the the couple issues I've read of that in, in that last run. And I get going, then I start being more forgiving of the art, or I start uh, associating the art with the writing a little bit better. Like, I, I get used to it, essentially. But on first look, I, I, don't, I don't love the overly cartoony style um, in the what I what I consider the YA books, but I will really just, I'll consider them actually uh, books that are more marketed towards the, what isn't, I feel, the base of the comic reading community, which is older white guys. Um, this is trying to trying to grab a, a younger audience, and the younger audience are much more diverse. So let's go on. Arrow number 12. So this, so here's a, I'm going to just completely contradict what I said. All of these Asian books have a very anime style, but have some beautiful coloring. So Arrow and Swordmaster, so Arrow number 12 is coming out. Uh, Zule Fen and Amy Chu are the writers there, and Kane 
uh, Kang is the artist. So I haven't seen these new Arrow books. I don't think Kang was the artist at the beginning. I'm very behind on them. And Swordmaster is still written by uh, Shizu and Gunji. Gunji had some of the best art and colors that I've seen on a book, and it was that anime style. So I guess I, I'm not going to contradict myself. I'm going to adjust it in that um, in that it can be pretty awesome because Swordmaster looks great. Swordmaster looks absolutely great with colors. I think what I think that there's the I think there's a cartoon look about some of these that uh, that Miss Marvel has, for example, and that Champions book has on the cover that makes it look like animation cells. Uh, and I associate that with manga. But when I look at Swordmaster, that definitely looks like uh, anime influenced. In fact, I mean, it's uh, it's at least Swordmaster is Chinese, a Chinese artist. Uh, and it looks great. And the colors look great. It's almost like if I had the most... What I sometimes complain about uh, manga, it's not a complaint, but sometimes manga, the pencils and the lines are so beautiful, I think that it would be even better if you got a good colorist uh, to come in there, which is a sin to some manga readers, right? Manga needs to be the way it is. So anyway, that's Swordmaster number 12. I need to really catch up on that because I really enjoyed it. We'll be, I'm not going to read the solicit for my, uh, for my Estro 4 of 5. I did actually really enjoy number 1, and I was surprised by that. Uh, the... The story of how Maestro become, how Hulk becomes Maestro, that style. Uh, I, I enjoyed it, even though he's still very much the Hulk in number one. But even his slight changes, even in number one, uh, uh, sort of um, not enticed me, but intrigued me. Uh, so over a five-issue series, I think that'd be cool. So all I see here is him and uh, Hercules, so I'm going to skip it. He looks a lot more like Maestro in, in issue number four. Power Pack, I'm still not interested. Uh, I've already sort of said what I just said. Ryan North's on it, though. So uh, Immortal Hulk, still getting still getting those Alex Ross covers, but of course there's the Negative American cover and the Phoenix cover. That does not look like Bruce Banner. I have no idea what's going on in Immortal Hulk. It's that book I keep saying I'm going to read and then and then never never do. I've only gotten through the first trade, or maybe I got through the second trade. Also, I got to skip number nine. There is a, uh, I think it might be pretty cool because, uh, uh, minor spoiler. I forget. I forget what Thor's name was when he had an alternate identity. And that sort of disappeared. I don't know how that was explained away, really. It might have been an MCU thing. I don't know when it was explained away. But he used to be... Ah, man, I can't remember Thor's name now because it's been so long. I think Donnie Cates might be working that back in, but I'm not sure. And I don't want to read the... Uh, I don't want to read the, the solicit. Although I just read this last line that says, Donnie Cates and Nick Klein... Journey into a mystery left unsolved since 1962. Oh, my. Uh, here's something I'm getting. Symbiote Spider-Man, The King in Black, number one and five. So we're going to get a little story by Peter David, which is pretty cool that uh, he's uh, getting involved in this. He's writing the regular Symbiote Spider-Man, which I've heard mixed reviews on, but I did buy the, the trade, so I'll eventually read that. But we're going to get some uh, Symbiote Spider-Man and with a little bit of a crossover with Noel, that is an untold story. So uh, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen here? I guess we're rewriting the past, too. So I don't know if Peter's going to actually meet Noel. I don't know what's going to go on, but intrigued enough to get that. 
Uh, Venom number 30. This is the final, uh, the final part of Venom Beyond. Not going to read this solicit either, but I do see, uh, I, I'm getting all these characters confused because that's not Noel. I guess that's Wraith. Looks like Wraith. So on the cover, very cool cover. That is a, that's a Jeff Shaw cover. So Donnie Cates and Jeff Shaw are back working together. It's gonna, I'll talk about crossover in the image or indie previews, uh, podcast. Uh, but he, uh, he got a cover on Venom. So happy about that for him. Luke Ross is the artist. So it's a different artist. I don't know if, uh, I thought Juan Gideon was doing these beginning issues of Venom and the Venom Beyond story arc. So I hope to, I should go check that. But uh, Ryan, Ryan Segman's doing covers for Venom. I do wish he was on Venom, but he's uh, been drawing King in Black for at least a year. So hopefully we get something cool for that. Bunch of True Believers books. I'm not going to really get into them, uh, especially since I don't even know how they tie in. And I don't want them to tell me anything. But they all tie into King of King in Black. And I think some of them have already been made. Uh, this is going to sort of show us... This is going to sort of show us some history behind some of the characters that are involved in the, that are going to be involved in the big crossover. And some of them are surprising because one of them is Doc Samson. Uh, I'm just going to read some of these. Black Knight, Black Panther, that's not too surprising. Valkyrie, Beta Ray Bill, Thunderbolt. So it's unsure whether this is going to be a cosmic. I'm really not sure whether this is going to be a cosmic mix. Or a um, or something happening on Earth, so I'm intrigued, and I know it's not just going to be a battle. I, I'm I trust Donny Cates to do something more than that. I feel that Absolute Carnage was more than just a battle. That you know, giant Carnage taking over stuff was more in the background, uh, and uh, there was more focus on on uh, what Venom has been, the relationship between Dylan and his uh, Dylan Brock and Eddie Brock, and Eddie Brock being an f up. Uh, let's see what else we're doing. Valkyrie, Beta Ray Bill, Thunderbolts, Monster World, wow. Iron Man, Doctor Doom, eh. Black Cat, and Franklin Richards. So let's see what goes on there. Strange Academy number five. Uh, this is one that has that sort of anime, uh, kid stuff, but man, it got so popular. And number one's going for a crazy, uh, amount of money. I would say, I'm gonna wait till this number five comes out. That should be the first trade, or maybe, it could be a six issue trade. And I, I, I am intrigued because enough people liked it, but I'm on the fence whether I'm going to spend time on it. Uh, Captain of Marvel 23. I've, I've not, I've not read any of this stuff. I don't know what's going on in it. So I can't tell you anything. <coughs> uh, Namor's there. So who knows? Who knows what's going to go on with Namor? It's like he's mad about the ocean again. And so people are fighting over it. Uh, I, I really rooted for this next book. I sort of wanted it to be good and I didn't read it because, um, uh, Neil Adams has, Neil Adams is disappointed. Uh, he is not writing, uh, Fantastic Four antithesis, antithesis, uh, Mark Wade is, but people were really not into it. And I liked his version of the thing. I thought it was pretty cool and detailed looking. Um, maybe, maybe the, People that are reading number four will uh, get me to want to, you know, read this or, or at least read in Marvel Unlimited. We'll see, but uh, I don't want to be super disappointed. The covers, the covers I've seen look great though. I think this cover looks great too. I don't know what the hell Galactus is doing, sort of just floating over people, but uh, whatever. 
And then uh, Dan Slot still on Fantastic Four, already at 26, man. It feels like I was we were being pushed Fantastic Four just very recently. As I, I don't even, and that hasn't even been on a, that hasn't even been on a two, uh, two a month schedule. Maybe it was at the beginning. Uh, Magnificent Miss Marvel number 16. Uh, sort of already mentioned that Saladin Ahmed is is writing it, so. Um, Maybe it's good. I've I've wanted to look more into Saladin Ahmed, and I, I think I read I think I read what did he do? Did he do the Miles Morales tie-in? I read one of the tie-ins that he wrote for um, Absolute Carnage. Maybe it was War War of the Worlds, and it was a solid tie-in. I mean, tie-ins are essentially handcuffs to a writer. It's like literal work for hire in my mind. So you can't tell a lot. Um, but if they're able to write a good story with those handcuffs, that's a plus. And I, I remember thinking about that, about Ahmed. So, um, he's, he's someone I eventually will look into. I just haven't been, uh, very superhero-y. You know, I've been sticking with the superhero books that I'm addicted to. I put that in quotes, uh, more than like looking for new, new stuff, you know, uh, to read in that, in that world. So it's made me not like go, Hey, in this podcast, I say I'm doing it, right? But it, a little bit less in, in real life, I get excited by some other story that's happening in, in the indie world. Like, I got excited by Solomon Ahmed's Kickstarter more than I want to, like, start touching in on superhero stuff that I, I don't know that much about. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy number eight. Al Ewing. I don't know about Al Ewing. I think he's he really knocked out probably his best work on Immortal Hulk as far as uh, critically acclaimed stuff goes. Because uh, he wrote a lot of stuff before Immortal Hulk. And it surprised people how good Immortal Hulk was. But uh, but the the stuff before and after, he's he's sort of been like a Greg Pak sort of person. Like a where I think he writes cool enough pulp stories and he's fast enough and probably easy enough to work with that he gets a lot of work is my guess. Uh, a Raphael Albuquerque cover, but it's not the best. It's a little bit dark cover with rocket on it. Deadpool number eight. I, I was actually interested in number six. I have to go find that, dig that up somewhere because Deadpool goes to Krakoa. Uh, Kelly Thompson. I don't know if she's doing well or not. You know, Deadpool, I got to laugh. I, I Deadpool number one was okay. Uh, again, it's the same thing. I'm just not looking for new superhero comics. But Deadpool, if I need a comedy book, that's what I'm looking for. I might go get Deadpool, but then I have to laugh. And uh, that doesn't always happen. Falcon and the Winter Soldier, number five. Uh, that'll be wrapping up Derek Landy and Federico Vincenti on that. Uh, Dan Mora cover, though. Uh, probably wouldn't probably wouldn't guess that was Dan Mora. But uh, now that I've been told it was Dan Mora, it looks like it. This is okay cover. Daredevil number 25. Uh, aside from Immortal Hulk, this has probably been the most critically acclaimed uh, run series that's going for Marvel right now. More of a, I think he's in a, this would be, I, I say it every time, but I'm way behind on this. I think this is, I think I heard Darsky, Zdarsky saying that he was trying to avoid the lawyer drama, especially since he came in. Uh, after an actual lawyer was writing the book, but uh, it looks like that what that's what this arc is a little bit on the more law side of Matt Murdock. So I'm so far behind on this, it's hard for me to. I don't want to read the solicit, but I also don't know what's going on. So 
I sort of sort of hold off. Now, this one's a surprising one. Doctor Doom's at number nine. Christopher Cantwell's writing it. Uh, Salvador La Roca, who is sometimes I love him, sometimes I don't. But uh, this is interesting because I thought that this didn't have any following. I thought no one really cared about it. Uh, I thought that it was just okay. I saw some friends dropping it. And then out of nowhere, it's, it, it gets nominated for an Eisner. So that, that confuses me a little bit. The Phoenix variant isn't that cool. Uh, in Thor, there was a, a version of Dr. Doom. He was actually mixed up that had the Phoenix force and that those paintings were awesome. I think, I think Mike Del Mundo drew those. Oh no, no. Christian Ward drew those and those were awesome. So Doom, just by the fact that it was nominated by an Eisner, I'll read it, um, but uh, eventually. But I was very surprised at it. So we'll see what I think about that. Conan the Barbarian, number 16. I have no idea whether I'm behind on Conan or not. I can't remember the last one I read. He was in like a sort of a underground dungeon crawling uh, trap fest. I, I did like it, but who knows the great nature of the crucible is revealed. So I think it's the big arc that Zeb was doing, which I, I was cool with. I, I enjoyed it. I'm happy. I was happy to see a, a larger arc, uh, even though I really like Jason Aaron's 12 issue run or whatever it was though. And I like looking back. I remember some of these one shots and those stories because they're actually pretty cool, you know, but it felt felt like each one of those stories could have been mixed into uh, a more epic arc. I guess I have this idea of epic, epic -osity for Conan. And I'm not an old school Conan fan, so I, I know people, some people have trouble, uh, with this, with the Conan books, but, um, uh, I've enjoyed them. I like, I like what I'm getting from them. I also like that. I also like that. Uh, I'm not like disgusted by the way he's treating women, which may or may not be the case. And I know that Conan comics in the past have strong women in them. But uh, I was always afraid of that. Even in Jason Aaron's run, I was like, there was a one section with uh, prostitutes. I'm like, oh, man, how are you going to handle this? You, you trust Jason Aaron. You're like, how are you going to handle this? And then he handled it in actually a very cool way. Uh, Star Wars number eight uh, by Charles Soule. Uh, and then art by Ramon Rosanis. That's a, a new artist I'm unfamiliar with. And then Star Wars Darth Vader number seven, Greg Pak and Raphael Ineco. That's another artist I'm unfamiliar with. And then Bounty Hunters, number seven, by Ethan Sachs and uh, Paolo Villanelli. What else do we have? And Dr. Afra number six. And uh, I, th I thought Ethan was writing that. Or was it Kelly Thompson? I'm slowing down here, so I can't see it. But all these Star Wars books are... Uh, I just started buying them, man. And I, I have all these hardcovers, and they stopped making the hardcovers. And I've enjoyed them all, but I started buying them pre-order. Oh, Alyssa Wong. And Ray Anthony Height. Oh, every artist I I don't recognize here. So new artists on on some of these. Um, Doctor Afra has actually I think suffered from the sort of manga cartoony style. I wish they they take that more seriously. But um, I mean I shouldn't say take it more seriously. But I wish it looked more serious through my the lens of my eyes. But all these Star Wars books I've enjoyed. I wish that I knew that these were coming out in hardcover because I could wait. And then I end up. Uh, you know, I end up getting them on pre-order for a little bit cheaper, so I, I do it anyway. But they're the kind of thing that I may may or may not sell in the future. So let's see what's next, guys. What's next? 
Hey, I'll tell you what's next. It is collections. Uh, first up on the list is, and I don't know how much, we're just going to run through these. I like to mention them because some cool stuff does show up. First up on the list is uh, a collection of Conan, but not the Conan we just talked about. The uh, Conan books that were previously under the Marvel license. And man, is it a, it's like a, a who's who here. Uh, I feel like Daredevil, Spider-Man probably too, but Daredevil has this like long list of names that where you're really impressed by their runs and, and by what they did. And this Conan, uh, this Conan omnibus isn't that much different. Uh, J.M. DeMattis, Roy Thomas, John Buscema, Gil Kane. I think I read, even though he's not credited here, I think I read uh, that there's even a Neil Adams story in here. And uh, and something I do like, so I'm, I'm, I get annoyed by variant covers like everyone does, even though I buy the one I like. But uh, something I do like is that you got the cool Alex Ross cover. I don't even want to call that modern. That's like mid-modern. Alex Ross has been around for a while, right? Uh, but they also, they also give you this Gil Kane cover, and it becomes sort of difficult uh, to decide... Uh, if I were to spend the 75 bucks on this, which one I would, I would take, um, probably go Gil Kane just cause it's going to match the artwork a little bit better inside. But, uh, uh, but you know, to each his own people really like, I would say that Alex Ross looks like a cover like that should, the things he does should be covers. So, uh, after that, there is uh, Captain America by Jack Kirby, um, the Mad Bomb cover, nice. So this is all the Captain America written by Jack Kirby and penciled by him. Uh, I'm not sure if, oh, this is when he returned to the title in the mid-70s. I was going to say, I'm not sure if we were getting the, the stuff from the pre-Marvel era. Uh, that's something that will appeal to some people. I don't know. I don't think of that 70s Jack Kirby as, as uh, something I would jump to immediately. Golden Age Captain America. Now, this is what I expect. Uh, this is what I expect people to really want. Even though you, you're really buying it for the art, I know that generally, I'm going to take a wild guess and say that this Golden Age stuff isn't that good, really. Uh, and you get two versions. That's a really interesting cover. Uh, covers by Lee Weeks and Alex uh, Schoenberg. So you have uh, the older looking cover. And then the more finished, less cereal box looking colors, a more of a modern, uh, a modern take on it. So I wouldn't buy this at all, but if I were, I'm not sure which cover I would want because they both have their merits. Um, oh, who did the new cover is that's the Schoenberg cover for the new printing. Uh, there's an Avengers omnibus coming out. I'm just going to flip through. Oh, this is the one. This is what I almost keep buying. Like I should just own. The Claremont stuff, um, and they there's the big omnibus that just came out that was hardcover. For those interested in a uh, week by week chat about each individual comic, he's uh, on John's Comics with Kids. He's doing something. If you just search that into YouTube, uh, and if you take a look at, uh, I think he's doing it with a channel called No Good Comics. So like no, like you know something, not like there's no good comics out there. Guy's too young to be called No Good Comics and oh, you know, he's it's old people that think there's no good comics. 
Um, it's a new printing of this one says uh, X Men by Chris Claremont and Jim Lee. So I guess we're getting. I guess we're already starting that initial uh, that initial X Men run where Jim Lee was basically taken over. Uh, there's some X Factor in here, Uncanny X Men. Oh, so you, uh, we do get the Jim Lee. We do get the Chris Claremont from earlier on, and uh, Ghost Rider 26 and 27. No clue what what that is there. And uh, Tony Stark has a uh, Addy Granov cover. Um, Addy Granov's one of my favorite cover artists right now. People just think a lot of of Alex Ross, it seems like, but Jeff DeCall, Addy Granov, a couple other guys are very good. Um, something real interesting is this Marvel Select Edition. Um, so I guess it's only, I was going to say it was overpriced, but I guess twenty nine ninety nine is pretty standard, and it has the Welcome Back Frank stuff, 1 through 12, by Garth Ennison and Steve Dillon. So I really like this series. I haven't read it since, I may not have even finished it, to be honest. If you want me to be honest, back then I didn't often finish books. I, I got large, you know, you didn't think in terms of runs. I keep saying that, so... I'm trying to think of a run I've actually finished. I've read every saga, but that's because uh, I became uh, that's because I I, I went uh, full um, I went uh, full trade paperback for a while. I'm trying to get back to being full pay- trade paperback. To be honest, uh, this is what I'm definitely getting: the Star Wars Doctor Aphra omnibus. Finally, finally in hardcover, guys. Um, Although maybe this already was in hardcover. That actually scares me a little bit. Uh, I feel like this may have been in hardcover already. I'm looking for issues. I actually have it right over there. I'm looking, that's issues 1 through 40. So maybe I'm going to end up having to buy this I'm a little bit. I don't, well, luckily, luckily there's no choice for me between the, uh, the covers because I definitely don't want the, where she's an imperial, uh, soldier. But, uh, can't wait for that. So, Oh, I think I have one of the hardcovers that is just 1 through 24. So this is a giant omnibus. So I'm getting everything that Cy Spurrier... Looks like I'm getting everything that Cy Spurrier and Kieran Gillen did, plus um, stuff I already have in the Star Wars, the Screaming Citadel stuff, and uh, her appearances in Darth Vader and Empire Sun. And, uh, so yeah, that's worth it. We're getting that. So it's 125 retail. Uh, I pre-ordered it, so I think it's coming out to 80. That's actually a lot. It's a lot. It's more than I want to really spend on something like that. But I will have the entire uh, Dr. Aphra uh, run from Karen Gillard and Say Spirit that I can finally read, even though I have one of the stupid hardcovers already. So um, one of the last things I'll mention here is the Marvel portfolio, Peach Momoko. So they're actually doing a, um, I guess what, a, a, an art book of all her Marvel characters which i'm not the biggest fan but i I understand how people like her i like the ones the people with very distinct styles so a lot of people look like you know there's a lot of alex ross spinoffs but no one exactly anymore but then a lot of things feel like matina now and and too computerized so i just want to give her credit for that that even though i'm sure she uses uh computer coloring uh often and stuff it it she does have a, a distinct look. So just because it's not 100% for me doesn't mean that it isn't, uh, it still isn't the shit for someone else. And almost last but not least, what is this? X-Men Inferno Omnibus. So this is going to be, um, is going to collect a whole bunch of stuff. So X-Factor 33 through 40, X- Exterminators. I don't remember, um, I don't really remember the Inferno uh, storyline 
um, Goblin Queen, so I probably know some, I probably know large pieces of it. I don't remember it being called Inferno, or it looks like it might be just a a bit a bit before my time. It's not exactly uh, Executioner's Song or anything like that. And then we have a bunch of the um, just collected hardcovers that you you normally see once they they get that far in the run. So Fantastic Four Volume One by Dan Slott, uh, Avengers Jason Aaron the first hardcover. And Daredevil, Heaven, Heaven and Hell, a Giant Size X Men by Hickman, the trade paperback. So this is gonna, this would be a really disappointing trade, I think. Um, one that you would read fast, but you shouldn't, because a lot, of, a good handful of these trades are are very much uh, silent or or have very little uh, words in them. So X Men, Jean Grey, and Emma Frost. There's almost no words in that, but it is a beautiful looking book. Um, Nightcrawler, not too much. Nightcrawler and Phantom X probably have the most, um, Storm I haven't read yet. And, uh, Magneto, I don't think that's even come out. And then, uh, Magneto's is, is also very quiet. Uh, not a ton of, of dialogue in it. Um, and, oh, I do want to say something about Ravencroft. This is something I expect not to be printed very much of, or have a high demand. Um, I bought the number one. And it was my pick of the week that week, and I didn't buy anything else from it. But it actually was good. It had a had a very, I guess this is an example. This had a little bit of a horror feel to it that first one, but I enjoyed it. Uh, it takes place after the horrors of Absolute Carnage. Um, so I, I, Frank here actually did a good job. I don't think it it really got a. I don't really think it got a a big following though, unfortunately. Uh, Doctor Strange, Surgeon Supreme. I got turned off on that pretty quick. And, uh, so, I don't really know much more to say about that. That first, if you're the record beats you up, then, then I, I need to, I need to not read you is my, my impression of the record. Um, and, uh, it looks like some of these Empire, some of these Empire trades are popping out. The Empire, I, I probably read, I'm still in the middle of reading Annihilation, both Annihilations, and, and I'm reading those on on uh Marvel Unlimited and Empire didn't seem like it had very much of a following so yeah. so I I don't know when I'll read that I it's it's 6 months away from being on Marvel Unlimited anyway so I'm not going to worry about it too much Spider-Man Noir is coming out the trade paperback just beautiful art there that's worth it if that's worth it to have um, solid copies if you're not buying the floppies uh, I think that trade paperback will be worth it as far as I could tell it's, it's a solid nor story I don't think anyone's uh, jumping out of their seats for that but the art uh, Spider-Man nor art the black and white and limited use of other colors is uh, just beautiful painted in gauche painted in with watercolors and I know uh, just from Twitter and following Juan Ferreira he uh, he you know, he does a lot of mixed media and then he puts it into Photoshop for just little finishes. So just, it's just a beautiful book. Um, and if you're not even sure, you can just look up some Spider-Man Noir by Juan Ferreira, uh, Ferreira, and, uh, and you'll agree. I'm very confident you'll be like, that is really nice whether you decide to buy it or not. You'd be like, oh, that's real solid. Um, Conan Battle for the Serpent Crown Trade Paperback. That was really bad. That was really bad, guys. And then something I was never sure of is uh, Marvel's, I guess it's 10, I keep calling it X, Earth X, Earth 10 trilogy, I don't know. Uh, Hickman's 
ruined me. But that was a good first issue that I never really just picked up again. Um, and we're going to end it here, I think. There's a bunch of epic collections coming out. Um, and okay. So, uh, this is, uh, this has been Chaos and Comics. Uh, you could find me for the comic related stuff at Chaos and Comics on Instagram and Twitter. If you're into sports, uh, at Chaotic Sports on Instagram and, and Twitter, at Chaotic Sports Podcast on Instagram and at Chaotic Sports on Twitter. And we are all done. Let me know what you think. This will be on YouTube and, uh, iTunes and then all your favorite podcasting locations. And then keep an eye out for the uh, DC previews for November releases. And we're getting ready to see DC previews for uh, December releases soon too. So uh, I have a lot of a lot of these to do. Um, comment on YouTube, find me on or at on Twitter or Instagram at Casm Comics. Let me know what you're thinking, what you're into, and uh, just connect with me and I will talk to you guys later.